0: Hello and welcome to the Halftime Orange podcast with me, Brenton Webber. Today I'm speaking with the co-founder and CMO at DraftBuff, Guillaume Meyer. Guy is bringing tales of customer engagement from the f- one of the fastest growing sports in the world and one of the most inclusive sports in the world, esports. And to these like me, it might seem like just something kids play. But this is really the, the way that brands are engaging with millennials in a really authentic way. So I think if you are trying to reach millennials, you're going to find this one really fascinating. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Guy. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Halftime Orange podcast with me, your host, Brenton Webber. Today I'm joined by Guillaume Attenmeyer, co-founder and CMO at DraftBuff. Guillaume, uh, welcome to the show. I hope I'm saying your name correctly, by the way.
1: Well, uh, don't worry about that, like, everyone in...
0: We called each other, I called you Gi up until now, so I don't know why I'm using your full name. I'm being all very formal at the start of this podcast, so sorry about that.
1: (laughs) No, don't worry, like, everyone in the whole world knows me as a Gi anyway, so... You feel free to butcher my name as
0: you want. (laughs) (laughs) I have a name like that as well. I respond. Most people could just call me B. So, uh, yeah, very, very. um, Yeah, tell all the. We've spoken at length now. um, And I can't wait for this conversation. But for my listeners who um, don't know you, haven't haven't, um, met you either virtually or in person, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, how you got to where you you are? And, um, yeah, a bit about your journey.
1: Oh yeah, of course. So, uh, as I said, I'm the CEO of DrivePath. We are like a fantasy, uh, like a social fantasy platform for eSports. Uh, so like pretty much like, you know, uh, a platform that focuses on bringing a social experience throughout fantasy eSports uh, for all eSports fans in the world. Uh, pretty much have been working in eSports for the last five years or so, mm-hmm. roughly. Uh, after starting in the scene, like uh, by creating my own little startup back in 2016, which I grew to a bigger business, which ended up acquired by a bigger company, and that you know was the start of my beautiful journey in this amazing industry. Uh, personally, I'm from Bra- I was born in Brazil, but I also have a German citizenship, so I also lived in Germany for ten years. And since last year, I'm living in South Korea, which makes me you know. Yeah, very interesting global experience across three continents. And it's very, like, very fortunate because South Korea is obviously the center and the capital of worldwide esports. So, you know, if you work in esports, there's few places you're better off to, uh, off to be than Korea. Uh, yeah, the industry here is exceptional, it's big, uh, it's super developed, like, seen for the last 20 years or so. So, being here in the center, seeing everything happen. In, even like in a covid ridden year, uh has been like a, a, a truly unique experience.
0: Well, you yeah. handled it very well in South Korea.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And, yeah, like, I was led to Korea because of esports. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, like, I had my first experience with the country, with the language, with the culture throughout esports. I had interest of in Korea because of esports, so... Kind of end up leaving Korea is a natural evolution to to let's say to my journey since now uh, from now on. So yeah, uh, pretty much a little bit about me. I think
0: uh, you t- like must have seen a lot of changes in your years in esports. I mean, this is such a fledgling for many of us. It's not even on many people's radars at the moment. I mean, I have, <clears throat> I have a, a, a great mate called um, Matt Martin who has been um, spreading the gospel, I guess you could call it, of esports here to around the media agencies. And I know that there are some really big brands that are now starting to pay attention. So it's becoming very mainstream all of a sudden. But this isn't a new industry. This is something that has been evolving for, and you've been in quite an interesting seat always to see how that evolution. Has happened so, where are we? How, how did we get here?
1: So, as I said, like in Korea, things, things have been going on for the last 20 years already. Uh, starting in the late 90s with Starcraft on television and have been evolving, you know, like there, like you know, the scene, the players, things like you know, a whole ecosystem have been developing, like you know, boiling Korea for the last 20 years. In, in the west, it's definitely a more recent phenomenon. It's something that you know, it started, let's say, in the early 2000s, it's still like small scale. There was some attempts in the early 2000s of creating like you now some eSports leagues, you know, like a mm-hmm. ecosystem like It failed back then. I kind of, everything blew up because I think the market was was just not ready yet. I think the infrastructure wasn't in place yet. But now, like in this last decade, especially with the games such as League of Legends, Counter-Strike and uh, Dota 2, this team has really exploded. And finally, big names, big brands are finally paying attention. As they consider esports as a key way to interact with, like millennials in general. Millennials in general, are like a very hard group to get into. Two. And finally, brands have realized that through esports, through gaming in general, they can reach out to this much coveted, uh, let's say, demographics. So no, very
0: engaged, a very engaged precisely. demographics. Precisely. Yeah.
1: And a demographic that is now starting to make money, which is very important for all brands. It's a demographic like, you know, they are in their early 30s right now, like late 20s, early 30s. So they are like quite established in their professional careers, but they're still like big gamers, you know, follow esports like massively. And brands are realized that. And at US, like, you know, the main differences I have seen since I started like five years ago from now. The biggest one, obviously, you know, when I started following, I, I started like watching sports matches back in 2013, so seven years ago. And sponsorship wise, you barely had anything like outside of gaming. You had your like your odd peripheral like advertisement. Yeah, it was all attack, hardware. Answer. Exactly. It was all
0: hardware. Yeah.
1: But these days, if you take a look, you know, like if during 10 minutes in a League of Legends stream, you can see, like, you know, Coca-Colas. You can see, like, insurance companies, food. Uh, provide you know, like, uh, so many different brands of so many general, general areas. Very similar to any traditional sport. You see, like, you know, like, football over in, the, in Europe or NFL, like, you know, and, and basketball over in the U.S. So it's kind of established itself to become a very mainstream area. And the money can talk about it. It's an industry that three years ago were valued in less than half a billion dollars. But, uh, and there is a recent report, I actually read this week, that this year, despite COVID, uh, esports as a whole is valued at 1.5 billion American dollars, which is uh, over 300% increase when compared to three years ago. So like that's... Wow. We have like a a 100% increase in value increase in value per year in esports right now. And that aligned to a lot of like uh, venture capitalists, you know, like pouring millions and millions of dollars on teams, on organizations. You now we have a very booming scene right now in esports. And it didn't slow down this year. You know, like while like traditional sports pretty much like was put in a hole because of COVID, matches were canceled, term like whole leagues were cut short. Things, you know just carried on in new sports there was a small break time in March to adapt to the whole situation that offline events wouldn't be possible for the time being yeah
0: and there would have been a lot of organizational um, aspects to that with those those real world plans that were already yeah. in place yeah exactly but, but, but a perfect industry to adapt quickly I mean a virtual a virtual industry at with a snap of a finger, really, if it wasn't for those operational sites.
1: Precisely. You know, like uh, eSports still, like, you know, there are a lot of, like, high-profile offline events, but it's very easy to seem to adapt everything and make everything online, which has been since March. So uh, since March, there barely has been any offline events in eSports. Maybe one of the biggest exceptions is League of Legends World Championship Finals in November, which were held in Shanghai, China, which had like a, a, live, a live audience even the finals with almost 10,000 in China. So, that, but that's like a major exception for the time being. Uh, as we head towards like you know, the, the new year, uh, we can't expect to have offline events yet, just yet. But hopefully you now like uh, our hopes that we can end 2021 with offline events, with life getting back to normal, with vaccines getting pushed out. Hopefully that's our hope at least,
0: I know, like you're in New Zealand, I'm in Korea. Who's investigating virtual reality events? Are those taking place? Being inside a virtual hall and watching it—are we—are we, are we <laughs> close to getting to that stage where we can kind of put put our hats on and be there in the room? Is that the solution?
1: Oh, I don't know if that, at this point it should be actually. Uh, you know, imagine—I I can imagine. However, like you know, like in the next decade or so, you just like put your Apparatus or your equipment there, and you feel like you are in the stadium. And not yeah, only for exactly. esports, obviously, you know, like we can do that at first. Every everything e- exactly, esports yeah. as well. You mm. put your your helmet or whatever, and you feel like you are in the stadium. You can hear, you can feel the atmosphere. So esports uh, being involved in the center of it, you know, it kind of feels right that you know during this whole technological uh, like development advancement, uh, esports you know has like, kind of establish itself as a major source of entertainment for the new generation. So, you know, if we are at this stage right now, I can't wait to see how the whole industry is going to look like in 10 or 15 years from now, where, you know, this new generation has been growing up right now, like, you know, like primary school kids who are dreaming of being, you know, like, the next, like, esports star or streamer or YouTuber, you know, like, everything, like, involved in connected with gaming. Where they are at an age where they're gonna be competing professionally, or they're gonna be working as well in the industry. I really know, like, uh, I can't. I just can't wait to see how everything's gonna be looking like in fifteen years from now. I think.
0: uh, Have you got any veteran players yet? Like, play. You know, like older players that are just you know, kicking still kicking youngsters' (laughs) asses.
1: There there are like some, uh, like of course, like not the majority. Like you know, they are like the minority in some cases. So, personally, I'm 29. So, I, you know, for esports standards, like, I'm pretty much a boomer. Uh, you know, like, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel that sometimes. Mm. Yeah. I follow I follow League of Legends, you know, massively, I'm a huge League of Legends fans. But in the major leagues, like, and, and that's pretty much like in clubs, like, uh, dozens of teams, there is not a single player who's older than me, which like, makes me feel a little, you know, odd, considering, like, you know, I see the young guys, like, kicking off, you know. I think, you know, right now, the in League of Legends, the oldest player is around 27. I think, you know, like, there was, like, one of the best American players just retired last week, and he's, like, you know, 27, 28. And we we see a lot of, like, late teenagers, you know, like, starting career like 17, 18. So in League of Legends, I say the average is rather, you know, young, like, rather, like, around 21, 22, even a little lower, perhaps. Uh, in other games, such as Counter Strike, has been around for 20 years, literally. We can see players in their 30s playing. So there are like some famous players like in their early 30s, like even like middle 30s, who is still like uh, you know com- competing. Although you know, like obviously we also have young players joining the scene and so on. But the, the average age is a little higher. So to a- answer up your questions, obviously it's not common. And when the players like they tend to you know like uh, let's say reach their late 20s. They have been playing the game for, you know, most of their lives already. That's yeah. a thing.
0: They a are kind of burned
1: out. And, <laughs> and in eSports, yeah, you know, you practice for 12, 13, 14 hours per day. Like, it's wow. like, it's brutal.
0: That's dedication. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I, dedication. Saw, uh, I saw, there's a Netflix documentary called High Score, I believe. I think it's called High Score. And it's kind of the history of gaming. And one of the episodes is of one of the first Japanese, um, professional teams and how this guy traveled across as a young teenager, like 13, 14 traveled across to Tokyo to plan. I think it was a Street Fighter competition, but he was, he was in after coming out of that. There was a ve- obviously a visionary leader who was employing him and he singled him out and said, look, why don't we, uh, I've always wanted my own football team or whatever it was my own sports team now I've kind of got the ability you know we don't need to invest in a stadium we can so I gave the whole story of the of that first guys and how it was a lot about fitness it was a lot about time off as well and keeping the brain fresh it was quite a very very interesting episode
1: yeah uh you can imagine though if you start playing like a 13 14 year old when you reach your mid late 20s you're burn out mentally and physically like players when they know like they with their hands mainly they use their hands so much they end up like with carpal tunnels and other like hand injuries that I sometimes know like career endings like we have a football like you know like ligament injuries like knee injuries uh, ankle injuries in football that might end a player's career we have something similar in esports, like in their hands in their like you not know, like a movement carpal tunnel is a huge deal in esports, which led to players having to cut the career short because they can't cope with the pain after you know, playing hours and hours for 10 years plus. And the mental aspect is huge as well. Like players, you know, they, when they reach a certain age, we can see they are simply burnout. And so that's why, you know, in the middle, late 20s, it's very natural to be, to make like a transition from playing to coaching or other management areas within mm-hmm. the industry, so there's a and with huge... Such ex- a,
0: with such a vastly expanding industry, there must yeah. be plenty of opportunities for people. Precisely. ex players, Precisely. like as, Precisely. as you see in rugby and football, you see the Precisely. industry. Yeah, no, not, great. Not
1: only as a coach, like, there is one of the most famous uh, players in Western League of Legends. He just retired after an uh, eight-year eight eight year long career. He's 24, so he's still very young. But uh, he has been playing, you know, the highest level for, you know, like the last eight, nine years. So he's making his transition to a coaching position within his own team. So as you can see, and that's like, not like a, you know, a single example that happens very often in the area where players, you know, like just transition to coaching, to management, uh, you know, other positions in the area. Caster, you know, as well, like, you know, they end up like, okay, they're not playing the game anymore, but they know very well or, you know, they can talk to the audience very well they are popular they become casters they become like a commentators they you know right. some, yeah. Yeah. exactly the same we see like pundits you know in football uh mm. exactly the same thing happens in esports sports so that shows like it's a very evolving ecosystem where you know like you still can give opportunities to your retired players uh so they can you know, stick around the area like you know and help kind of uh Nursing. I'd imagine you know, the there's new, opportunities. The new generation, exactly. Yeah,
0: and I'd imagine they have like they, they become content machines in some Pre- ways. In precisely on, that you on as well. YouTube and um and and helping to to yeah and to 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 sell you know to um reviews etc. It's a, it's funny it's a, it's an industry that I think I think I said earlier you know most people don't have much exposure to who are currently running companies or running departments because it is although gamers are a wide demographic you know i i I like to look at who someone is rather than what they are i think demographics often belie the story but when it comes to this new sport it really is there's a demographic that it's really great at connecting with and as you said a, a demographic that is traditionally quite difficult to engage with effectively how with, obviously games are engaging but there are winners there are losers so how important is customer insight customer engagement to the way that the growth industry um, is is operating
1: Well in one word to define that is vital for you know like if you want to do anything in your sports. Uh, As I said, like, you know, millennials per definition, they are like, I'm one millennial, so I know very well, we are a hard, tough, you know, hard group to get access into. We don't trust uh, brands, we don't trust products, we don't trust anything. So to get into us, you need, like, you know, to kind of speak the language, speak the right language. And that includes, like, brands who are into esports. They even include esports organizations that want to, you know, like, uh, expand their fan base. So the most successful esports organizations, they have kind of created an image around them, like a kind of personality per se. They are the esports organizations who are known to be the good guys. They are, they are the ones who are known to be like the bad boys. Like the biggest example, is probably you know, the biggest European organization called G2 Esports. They are, let's say, very known for their trash talk and they are like very cocky personality on social media. But, you know, they made themselves a brand out of it and they are extremely popular because of that. Uh, fan engagement, you know, from every single part is vital. Like, organizations dis- uh, engage with their fans consistently on social media. Players engage with their fans consistently on social media and when they're streaming. Even, like, sponsors, like, if you see, like, Red Bull is huge in esports these days. They, like, they have content. They engage with, play- with, with the fans. So... Engagement trolls, you know, like, uh, let's say simple tweets is one way, but the biggest one obviously is content. Like, I like to say that, no, every esports company is kind of a media company of its own, because if you want to like make an esports, you need to interact with your fans. And the best way is through making content. I know that very well, like, we we at DraftPuff, we are like a fantasy platform. But we also have, you know, like we are very active on Twitter, on Instagram, we have our Discord server. We have our YouTube channel where we create our own content ourselves. Because that's the way you get, you know, like a fan loyalty in esports. You need to make people like impressed, you know, like not only at your product, not only at what you're offering. Like not even like, you know, for things that the quality of your play, but how you position yourselves like in society. You know, like, how you tackle important issues that are occurring right now. There is one organization in America called FlyQuest, and they have positioned themselves as, like, an ecological-friendly organization. Uh, they, they, they made, like, a, an amazing campaign throughout this year, you know, like, a sequ- called SeaQuest and TreeQuest, where for every game they won, every kill they had during the game, they planted trees, you know? So it's pretty awesome stuff. So they end up, yeah. like, this season, like, planting 10,000 trees or something like that. Uh, so they position themselves, they create, like, you know, like this branding as, like, a very ecological friendly organization. And for an organization that used to be, like, a very minor one, like, to be honest, in, in League of Legends, they became, you know, like, uh, one that was able to acquire its own fans by position, like, by giving the brand a very unique identity, you know, the ecological ones, that care about, you know, the environment, they care about Earth. <laughs> uh, so it's pretty awesome to see. And of course, fans love it, you know, fans love this positioning, fans love this mission. So they end up like supporting this team, you know, just to see more trees getting planted. Yeah, so, yeah let's, right. Let's save the planet through League of Legends. And that's something pretty awesome that happened this year. And as I said, the most successful organizations, they have found their own image, their own like personality, you know, and they're they have been able to capitalize on that. And the biggest ones, of course, they get more followers on on Twitter, they get more viewership when they're playing on Twitch, and these are the ones who end up being more attractive for you know for uh, for sponsors. I I gotta really quickly go to G2 Esports, the the one I said the trash talking ones. Uh, the website and like give a quick you know like overview of the list of sponsors to see how you know they will be able to use like this let's say this trash talk percentage to attract the sponsorships so i actually I, I load i'm loading right
0: now now as well
1: exactly uh so they are sponsored by right at the start bmw uh, so you know the huge one like imagine uh car like a lecture car maker sponsor esports thing. You now, that's something that honestly I couldn't have imagined three years ago. Yeah. Uh like I see like Gimda and they're not the only ones. We see like Kia, we see uh Mercedes as well, we see you now the diverse automakers sponsoring things, and like in this case they are BMW is sponsoring G2. You have like of course like Logitech, you know, like one of the biggest worldwide hardware, like uh uh, producers we have Philips like a global brand. we have Pringles now we have <laughs> so MasterCard you know so as you can see like uh, Domino's you know like Domino's Pizza they're sponsoring them. So you can see like a mixture of endemic and non-endemic brands sponsoring these things and having a very positive image they have a very like a clear let's say brand positioning. Is vital, you know, like uh, at the end of the day, like if you're the one who managed to give your brand, your team, a very unique personality, it's hard to make other, it's hard for others to just copy you, you know, like you shouldn't be copying others, you know, to give your own brand an image because then people like, no, that's something that I think uh, that millennials are very uh, like smart enough to identify a copycat. So I think in order to succeed in this industry, you need to give your brand, your team, like even yourself as an influencer, as a player, like if you check on Twitch, you know, like twitch.tv, like, you know, the mecca of of streamers, every single successful streamer that has like 10,000 concurrent viewers or more they position themselves on a different way than each other. They have their own personality, they have their own approach to creating content, to interacting with their communities. So, I don't know, like, if you are, say, a brand that just wants to enter these parts, or you are someone who wants to you know, become big in these parts, I think the biggest tip I can give is don't be a copycat. Don't just like go copy what others have been doing well, just go adapt you know, from what, like, the good recipes from others and try to give your own personal input into that. I think that's the only way you can succeed. So another example, of course, us at um, uh, that's what we have been uh, trying to do for this last year, during uh, this past year, you know, in a position ourselves as very friendly, you know, like, very user-friendly, newbie-friendly, like fantasy platform, very, you know, social engaging, you know, focus more on community building, focus on friendly, Focus on now. People help each other. That's our image. We our, our position ourselves as very like you know friendly, where people can just join for a chat. You know, like uh, talk about games, talk about esports. Why you know like uh, talk about fantasy in general? Like the concept of fantasy is, in my opinion, a very social one, and you can see that in America, like fantasy football over in the U.S. You know, like people join for their NFL fantasy leagues every season. You know, they talk with their friends. You know, like they decide which player they're gonna draft. So that's kinda of the image we're gonna bring as well in esports, you know, for for the biggest esports titles. So overall, I guess we are finding our positioning as a brand. And that's like you know, the most successful esports teams have been doing the same. And everyone and everyone else who is willing to do so, they they have a higher chance to become successful in this industry.
0: Well, every if everybody it's it's a race for people's attention, isn't it? Precisely. And, and engagement Precisely. and you, and when people are engaging in a meaningful way, or what's a perceived as a meaningful way, it makes it difficult for all those ones trying to engage in a non-meaningful way, because there's this new expectation in the community in the in the millennials that this is how you engage with me. So how how important is customer feedback to the industry?
1: Also another one that I opened put the a because mm. <laughs> everyone does things around what their fans, or let's say in this case, the customers think. They are the ones who are buying the merchandise. They are the ones like subscribing on Twitch or you know, giving their dollars to streamers. They are the ones you not know, like playing League of Legends, you know, who enables this whole thing to happen first place. So like let's say let's treat them like customers for a time being because they spend money on it and it's a fairly considerable amount of money these days
0: well you say let's treat them like customers but unfortunately there's a lot of industries that that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a good thing it's like some customers don't get treated historically we've not necessarily been treated authentically by a lot of industries
1: and I i can
0: imagine that those industries would be finding it harder and harder to engage with the millennials because of your industry and other industries that <laughs> are, have realised that engagement is the way forward. So, yep. and I'd imagine that your feedback loops are are very active.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, our feedback you now, like our fans, like our customers in this case are extremely active around the industry. I can give an example, of course, on DraftOff, our own like product where we have our Discord server and every day we get you know, people giving their opinion about how the platform should be looking like, and improvement, and you know, suggestions, what we can fix and all you know, like much of our development cycles had been around user feedback, what people want. So right now in a fairly simple example, we are an app only. We have only our app our product right now. But because of user feedback, we're developing a web version as well on top of it. And that wouldn't have made it possible without user feedback, without customer feedback. If our customers haven't reached out to us and said, we want to play wrap Off on the web, on the browser, we wouldn't have done that. We are like now finalizing, creating exactly that, what they wanted. And that works pretty much on the same organization. You know, players, like teams as well, like, you know, like uh, they create merchandise around what people want. You know, people have been asking for, ah, I want like this type of like merch out there. Some months later, it is there. Uh, Even about the game, like, you know, enhance the viewership experience. Ah, I prefer if this string, you know, like was like a little bit like this and people start talking on social media, like, you know, like, ah, yes, I this could improve. And people are like complaining about something not going well during the broadcast. The next week, Riot is there, they fix the problem. So this ever-evolving feedback and answer, no, reply to this feedback, is what makes esports a very engaging industry. And as you said, it's setting the bar a little too high for others to follow that, others that you know are historically less, uh, let's say, let's say more stagnant, you know then eSports the, to follow the trend, the, this trend to listen to user feedback. And that list you know other e- sports or traditional sports, like you know, like in America, we have like baseball, for example, which historically you know these places has a very like higher average age, you know as a, an average fan in baseball. Like Let's say in America, I can say that eSports is the third most popular, let's say sport across um, millennials, like only behind American football and basketball. It's already ahead of baseball and, ho- and ice hockey. Uh, why? Really? You know? Yes, yes. Like the American League of Legends League, the LCS, which is called, is like uh, the third most popular sports league across millennials in the United States. only behind the, Only behind the, the NFL and the NBA, and just ahead the Major League Baseball. Which, uh, which shows something about the, the industry. And as I said, we are still in the booming phase. We are still in a phase where, you know, uh, things are still kind of getting established. We are getting the endemic and sponsors. We are getting, all you know, like the big numbers, like more money injection to grow, to full, the entire growth. I expect, you no know, like in 10 years from now, by the end of the decade, uh, esports should be the most popular sports, you know, between like, until like you know between 18 to 35 demographic. That's my my expectations. And I think most people in the industry expect exactly the same. So that's why right now like we are working towards that end. And I think you know like when a decade is over, we can see esports as big as American football or football, you no, know, mm. for the young people then so yeah. But that wouldn't be wouldn't be possible without you know, a very like say a a very insightful customer service, let's say uh mechanisms, we can mechanism we can we, we can say that where organizations everyone in the industry listen very carefully to what people are talking about on their social media, on forums, like you know, Reddits and so on, they are crucial to acquire like you know like feedback, you know. If you go like there is like thousands of communities, you know, League of Legends community is huge already. There are almost five million people on the on the league of legends Reddit community and they give their feedback about tons of subjects every day
0: if you're positive a friend, as well as negative or oh, especially negative <laughs> but a positive as well oh, as positive I, as well, obvious yeah like obviously. the insights how how things can be evolved and how things exactly. can get better because with those sorts of insights we know the directions that our companies have to kind of move towards i mean how how important was customer insight into um, Draft Bluff.
1: Well, for us, as I said, like also, also super crucial as like right now we, like, we released our app in November last year. And if you if you had a chance to take a look in the app in January from what it looks now, it's an entirely different product. And it was molded and evolved through customer feedback, like through our, all, what our customers said they want to have in a platform. And that and that's the way we find out you know, to keep evolving, to keep like people interacting with us. You know, like if we started like just ignoring our customers, just doing the way we wanted, we'd have lost a lot of our customers. Like people just like wouldn't be sticking around if like uh, we were not doing what people wanted. So you know, we come across like a very insightful piece of feedback from someone, and others end up agreeing. Like we have our own, let's say, forums on our Discord where people give feedback where people talk and one user gives a feedback about a certain subject and the other users start like giving their input and start talking about it we collect the whole information we collect feedback we do like we do a lot of like surveys as well we send like every two months pretty much we send servers to our users asking questions how can we improve this what do you want to see next year how you know small details even, like how this small part of the app can be improved. And based on the feedback we get, we make our own, let's say, development schedule. Uh, like the product, how the product is going to be looking like for next year, which like, is going to be the start of 2021 season, is pretty much thanks to our customers, thanks to our fans who put their time, they're dedicated, you know, and that shows their passion you know, towards the dedication towards the wrap like, you know, and that's something I really respect. I really, you know, I love talking to our fans, our customers on on social media, on Twitter, on Discord, because I can see individuals who really care about their product. They really want to see us succeeding. So, you know, I think that the least we can do is give them the time, the respect, you know, like, and talk to them and see, okay, like, find a solution to problems they might have, be having with the platform and try, you not know, to make a better product for them. Because, you know, like they're spending their time, they're giving the time to us, you know, like they're dedicating themselves to help us improve. So, and that's, you know, anyone in newsports, the least we can do is listen and try to come with solutions. And that's what we have been doing. And that's going to be like, no, our product for next year, like a product that was like building in cooperation with our most loyal users. And that's the product we're gonna be presenting for the community in January. And that's the one we're gonna hopefully you know have a lot of success with. Like I can't wait you know, like, to release you know, like, a web version drop or changes to some of our game modes, like everything based on user feedback. And that's exactly the same pattern that most of the industry takes. Like League of Legends, for example, like Riot Games, the, the developer and publisher of League of Legends, sometimes yeah, they probably wouldn't admit that. But they consider a lot of what people have been thinking about their games of which characters are too strong, which are too weak, which items in the game are too powerful, which are too weak. And they kind of try to balance the game around that. Uh, organizations are exactly the same, like based on what like people are thinking about their teams on social media, they try to you know, create content around it or establish their brand around it. So. Everything in esports, you know, like it works around what fans think. Because as I said, there's so much stuff today, so much like brands, things, people like are fighting for like organizations in general, are fighting for people's attention. Like it's a, yeah. company, a race for attention. Like, you know, people's time is still is limited. People spend like, you know, like esports fans, as they say, like they, they're millennials. So that means that either they're finished their education or they're working already. So we can like cut around eight hours per day because they're working or studying. And during their free time, they want to, of course, play the games as well. Obviously, they are gamers, first of all, and they like to enjoy playing the games. In the rest of the free time, and that's like you know where the esports part comes. And that's where like teams are fighting for attention, esports titles are fighting attention. Products such as Drap Off are also there in the middle trying to fight for attention. So if you don't position yourself as like a brand who listens to what people have to say, where people are thinking about, no one's going to you know, even give you like, you know, the benefit of like, a, you know, of not, not even going to give you like 10 minutes of their time, you know, before dropping you off already. If they identify that you are just a copycat or you're just like, you know, someone who's not interested to in evolve based on what they have to say. So if you want to. Here's acquire, a, like, here's
0: yeah. a, here's a pointy question. I'm going to interrupt you with a pointy yeah. question. Is everybody in your industry on board with the customer feedback thing or are there companies that are wondering why they're struggling that might be thinking, well, we don't involve customer insight throughout our organisation. We don't see our feedback in quite the same way. Will there be people out there that you could obviously not name here? But other people that you think could learn a few things and, and maybe secure their future if they did focus on customer engagement a little more? For sure. they are the
1: ones who are doing everything completely wrong in my opinion. And a lot of them are not in this industry anymore for obvious reasons. Uh, so for that, we have been we had like had like a, a lot of successful organizations during the past years. but there's a, even a higher amount of the ones who failed and folded. There are the organizations who, you know, got like large investments and right now are either, either already folded or, you know, are just meaningless in the industry. But like there are organizations who got like literally $20, 30000000 million investment. And because they wouldn't, weren't able to first give the, the brand a very unique image, position themselves in a unique way. Second, not listen to what their fans have to say. Uh, they kind of just, you know, like, uh, we're surpassed by others. That's the thing. Again, it's a fight for attention. And honestly, if you're, if you ignore your fan base, if like, you're not listening to, uh, to what people have to say, adapt your product, adapt your organization based on what people have to say. So, you know, people just start using, following someone else who is trying to do it. You know, like it doesn't make sense not listening to your fans because, People again, like people are not stupid. They're just gonna stop like following you. Uh and, and that happened you now like uh, 12 years. And I keep seeing, especially you now, names to like like and that's something I you know, like uh kind of my I wouldn't say my biggest enemies in esports, but uh the kind of the ones I have grudges against, the people who arrive in esports, I have like you know like bolstering, I have like 20 years experience in traditional sports, I know I'm gonna dominate the scene, I know everything I'm doing. And after, like, you know, two years later, they're out, out, out of esports already because they just can't understand esports fans. They just can't understand the environment. And despite having, like, decades of experience in another fields, they just, you no know,
0: can't make it in esports because of the whole... So why would, is that you say they can't understand? But is it that they won't understand? They don't see the value in understanding?
1: Both. I think it's both. I think, like, it's they try to bring recipes that are su- successful uh for other demographics then let's say let's say someone like a an average nfl fan you know like a 50 a year old person like with kids already, like a married person you know like uh, he follows football scenes you know like his let's say college times like has been a fan for decades he likes you know to watch matches on tv drinking some beers every sunday uh for that kind of fan you know like uh they're going to like football regardless, you know, what's happening, regardless of how their favorite team positions themselves on social media, regardless of things actually happen. They're just going to keep following, you know. They just want quality in their team. They just want, you know, like their team to perform well. And that's going to, like, if there, his team's doing well, it's going to increase the likelihood this person going to buy merchandise. It's going to, you know, like uh, buy television plans to watch uh, their matches, you know. Regardless of what what's happening like on social media, how their teams interacting fans, that person's gonna keep watching.
0: With regardless, yeah, however, yeah, right. There'll be a lot of there'll be a lot of people in esports that are, are non precisely non nonpartisan. That it is much exactly. more about the the, the the joy of the sport. Let's call it
1: exactly. But in esports, it's not only about the joy, but about giving your, your brand a mission, a position, as I said, uh, position yourself as something unique in the scenes and interact with your fans. So, like, I have been seeing a lot on social media, you know, like, uh, let's say, a brand uh, who interacts a lot with their with their fans or wannabe fans even. You know, and people, like, a couple of months later reply, ah, I became a fan of you because you interacted with me like three months ago. You replied to my tweet three months ago. Uh, and that's why I became a fan of your team, literally, because you know the team replied to their tweet. For example, for you know some random subject, there was someone in the customer service, like you know the social media team, for one of the things replied to the tweet, and they became a fan because of that. Simple enough, you know. Uh, because another thing we don't consider, like compared to traditional sports, is that there is like a, a very geographical alignment to which team you end up choosing for. You know, like uh, let's say sports. You have like your your hometown team, let's say. Uh, like uh, in Germany, for example, I live like nearby Leverkusen. So I'm a Bayern Leverkusen fan. I, am a, I was born in Brazil in my city. I also follow my local football team. And that's much the same in all traditional sports titles. In these sports, however, is like the geographical constraints kind of don't exist so the organization might be based let's say based in berlin for example but it has fans across europe it has fans in america it has fans in asia the organization is based in the us in los angeles it also has fans in europe and vice versa the like so organization like career organization has fans worldwide so let's say local like, you know, let's say local, you know
0: for all for all yeah. companies in other industries Please, you know, maybe maybe just rewind um, a few minutes and listen to what Guy's saying and replace <laughs> the word fans with customers. Like we're, we're talking engagement 101 being done so well by an industry that is making its competitors who are not fan-centric just leave them in droves. I mean, isn't this the story that we're seeing that we should that we could be seeing across all industries if those people were trying to engage and listen and respond and do that engagement 101 at that kind of level
1: honestly i think it's kind of an evolution thing you know like evolve evolve or die you know so mm-hmm. with millennials becoming more like a Having more and more of an active voice, and not only in esports across all and industries,
0: and worth more and more money. Obviously, and, war-
1: up- and that's the most important part. Obviously, money, as usual, always talks. And with millennials, you know, like being responsible, bringing around like a, a large chunk of capital towards any industries It's a matter of time. Of you no, know, all industries, as I said, you now to start adapting towards exactly the same end, and we start seeing like you no know, more, let's say, interactive brands across all industries, because I think at the end of the day, the ones who are able to recognize that first and adapt their, let's say, customer service, you know, becoming like a more interactive brand are the ones who are going to come off ahead when compared to the others who just keep doing what they are doing. You know, like uh, there's a reason why, let's say, block, Blockbuster is not around anymore. You know, like uh, of course wasn't about like customer service in this case, was about like not identify like a trend industry like general trends. But uh, regarding customer service and fan interaction in the way, uh in 10, 20 years from now, the ones gonna be like you know, like above the others is gonna be the ones gonna be have invested heavily on providing a very let's say a very close relationship with their customers. They're gonna be the ones who you know like uh listen to what people have to say. Apply customers' feedback. I think those are the ones are gonna end up like succeeding in this in any space, not only in esports. So yeah.
0: I mean I, I have a lot of context in the media world and I hope they're all listening. Because if they want a future, they have to find a way to really engage with millennials. And your industry is setting a new bar. And customer experience is all based on expectations that are set so if you're getting your entertainment from a new industry that is delivering exceptional exemplar customer experience and interaction and you're not well you're being even though you might not be in a direct industry you are being compared to that level of interaction so there's so many lessons that um that that my listeners can learn from this i'm so grateful before we go just um Tell us about what the future for Draft Buff might look like. Where are you going? To, what an interesting year to start a company, by the way. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, uh, honestly, you no, uh I couldn't have expected things to have shaped up this year as they were. You we're know, like a, a covid ridden world. We try to get our name out there. But, again, luckily, we're an esports platform, fantasy platform. So we have been able to success, not only to survive but to thrive, during this year and you know like uh thanks for like i would like to you know to thanks all our customer or fans in this case you know like you have been helping so much it provides such insight of feedback that's going to help shape so the if, yeah.
0: for those of us that don't know much about the fantasy With. world so is it is it kind of like um i'm trying to trying to compare it to something that my really like baseball cards is it that kind of thing
1: you know, I think it's more like compared to fantasy
0: football in the U S and all like, right. Okay. So I'm sorry. Yeah, my, my reason exactly. my listeners probably think that I'm a moron. <laughs> Cause yeah. Fantasy <laughs> sports. So, so that's the, yeah, yeah, no, my apologies, but it, but they really have that for. I guess you know. I'm, and this is terrible. I hope it's not insulting, but I'm incredulous that there is there is that in esports <laughs> because I'm just not exposed to this. And I hope that for it becomes so, it? a a pleasant surprise and, and piques some interest in, you know, my my generation of of listeners. Gosh, I'm upsetting you. I'm upsetting <laughs> my listeners today. I've got i better shut up and let you tell me more about draft. Uh,
1: but no, for much that you know, like. Uh, in fantasy football in the US, you now is a super you like where you form let's say leagues with your friends, with your co-workers, and at the start of the season you draft your teams, you know, like you have your first pick, your second pick, you know, yes, and yes, at the end because. you have your team. Draft off is exactly of the same, but for esports, for different esports titles. Like let's say for League of Legends, like the season is gonna start, you pick up your friends together. Yeah, uh, you create a league and you draft, you know, like your fa- your favorite players into your own team, and you play against your friends for the season. It's exactly the same, you know, the same concept as we have in fantasy football in America, fantasy Premier League over in the UK, for example, is a huge one as well. Uh,
0: right, I'm seeing this in FIFA, like exactly in the latest that. in the latest Ultimate. Um, Update um, in in FIFA 21. There's this you choose which of the teams that you're going to follow, and depending on who does better that week, the more extra points. The that more you
1: extra get. points you get. They're kind well, of, I'm like a kind of like giving away my geeky
0: gameness here.
1: <laughs> Precisely, and uh, and that's you no know, that's a recipe we took from traditional sports. Now, that fantasy mm. is something that people are very interested in about. You know, like fantasy, like the very successful product in sports. Yes. And we're bringing this to esports. You know, like uh, honestly, you know, like the way we 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 see our brand is that there are not other brands that uh, present a product similar to ours in esports. That you know, like you can put your friends together. Okay, let's you know, let's invite like five, six, seven, eight friends let's put together a league for next season and then we start drafting for players and then we play throughout the season and they're like you know we trash off each other you know like had some fun throughout the season who is the one who knows the most no. so the you know it's pretty much the same as traditional sports, just you know, like with the touch in these sports, but with the extra touch that we actually listen to what people have to say in order to you know, like build our product based on user user feedback, as I mentioned. So, as I mentioned, our product has been around since November of last year. Uh, right now, like one year later, we crossed the one hundred thousand downloads marks over on I iOS. Sorry, I and
0: thought it said May of this year. My apologies.
1: I joined the company in May of this year uh, as the right. founder, founder for the team so i am a little more recent like my co-workers have been working hard since you know november a little earlier than that to put the product out there and i joined of course the cmo in may of this year but uh we have been working out over the last 12 months and plus you know to to create the most engaging fancy platform out there for esports fans and yeah i'm very happy to see that we got like despite everything else that happened this year we got 100k downloads and we all the time we see messages you know like thank you for having draft buff like kind of helping me you know to come through you know with this year like everything has been a mess you know like quarantine and losing jobs Mm, and you know i think it's a very a source for people you know like to do something else you know like uh, to think about something else and just now pretend that things are not normal you know like uh just get your friends together make a league just play follow the matches together and you can do everything you know like uh say, online. You can do everything virtually. And that's the biggest thing. You know, you have your app on your phone, you watch the matches on your PC, and you talk to your friends, you chat to your friends remotely as well online. So we were able to provide a very complete social experience. And that's what we're going to keep doing. So for next year, we're going to improve our platform, as, as I mentioned, you know, release our web version, release new esports titles. Like We have five games right now, but Ideally, want to offer, like, fantasy for 10, 15 different esports titles. And, yeah, it's going to be, like, a super interesting year for uh, for up. We also, like, finalizing our seed round race, which, of course, more resources. is going to, you know, be able to, we're going to be able to expand our operations massively across all, all, all fronts. And, obviously, with esports being a very, very international area, you know, like, esports is as popular in America as it is in, it is in Europe as it is in, in Asia, especially like Korea, as I mentioned, I live here, uh, China, Latin America. So we're going to be like localizing draftoff to multiple other global languages to be able you know, like to get users from, you know, like from all corners of the world, like kind of respecting, again, user feedback. You know? Like uh, we have been seeing people write to us like, ah, I like DraftPuff, I can speak English, but my friend can't. Can we you know potentially have DraftPuff in Spanish, Portuguese? Korean, Vietnamese, Chinese, French, you know, like you can add like dozen of languages there, you know, that's going to help us getting DraftPuff to users who right now can't because of language barriers. So that's pretty much like, you know, if I had to give like a one goal for us is remove all barriers. And that includes, of course, every culture and language barriers for everyone to be able to enjoy our
0: product. Wonderful. Um, I love how enthusiastic, Um. I'm- an evangelist you are about esports. Um was delighted that we got to have the conversation. For those that want to, I know that you just love having conversations about esports. Oh yeah. So for those so for those that want to learn more, to explore with you. I mean, just before by, by you go, I did I did my Joe Rogan moment and did some research while we were talking because I don't have my go. I don't have the 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 person there who's able to to research while I'm talking. But Domino's what a great move by Domino's with G2. Have you any idea? And you're a you're a millennial, how many pizzas a month do millennials eat? Probably a lot.
1: Uh remember yeah. we we are still like in a COVID world where people are mostly remotely at home and you know, like well, a, this
0: this number will be blown out of the way, but because of twenty twenty. But even in two thousand and sixteen, where we were able to go wherever we want, whenever we wanted, it was ten pizzas a month. Now that's ten, pizza that's a month. 10, 10 pizzas a month. It's a big population eating a lot of pizza. I mean, why a would you? A know? lot of
1: pizza.
0: I do. I do hope that people who are. You know scratching their heads about how do we engage more with millennials? We'll, we'll, we'll have taken the time to listen to the amazing insights that you've shared. Just um,
1: check up G2 twitters and see their interaction with Domino with mm. Domino Pizzas, how they interact with their brand. There are even videos advertising videos. I know, like what they do in the YouTube channel where they interact with the pizzas, they give away pizzas, you know, like for like discount calls, pizzas for free, you know, like uh. They do like, you know, like a lot of social campaigns to kind of encourage, you know, like uh, people, you know, like to check out the pizzas, you know, like to buy the pizzas. They advertise new types of pizzas with the players, you know. So it's a whole like a, uh, like very advanced type of cooperation they have, you know, G2 and Dominus. And that kind of shows up the results. Like pretty sure like Dominus is very, very happy working together with G2 Esports. And I'm pretty sure that other brands like Endemic and non-endemic alike, they're pretty satisfied. Like BMW, for example, they sponsor five different teams in esports. And they kind of create like a branding around it called like uh, United in Reverie. So like they are teams, like they have like their own network of the five teams they sponsors. They kind of like uh, interact with each other a lot on social under the hashtag United in Reverie. So when they play each other, you know, like BMW starts like you know talking about like ah. It's like, our teams are playing against each other today. Let's hope for a great game. And, you know, like, they're trash-talking each other. They they talk. And, again, like, you know, again, the players are kind, kind of young guys, you know? So they have been creating content around that, you know, like, they are taking driving lessons on, on a BMW, obviously. So yeah. get like, you know, let's see if they're going to get a driving license. Let's Let's follow this, you know? So they create, like, interactive content with their brandings there, you know? So that was G2 as well. I think some, some months ago they created, like, a whole series, like, you know, some players learning how to drive uh making fun like very funny actually content but they are driving bmws obviously and you know you could easily see like the bmw brand there when people watch it like driving the cars like the players learning how to drive and i'm pretty sure like BMWs is you not know, like if they are thinking about buying a luxury car they are more inclined right now at buying a bmw because of it yes. so and yes. i'm pretty happy that you know i think BMW is well, another brand that's very happy at working esports, and because they were like one of the one of the first like car makers in the scene, I think if they stick around for the next five ten years, they're gonna see their sales amongst millennials now seem to just skyrocket. So I honestly would be very curious to see like numbers, you know, like BMW numbers across millennials in the next years, and to see how much of impact like their sponsorship, you know, uh, yeah has brought, has impacted
0: their numbers. Well, we're going to put your details in the um, show notes for those people wanting to reach out. The people who I really want to take notice are those people that are scratching their heads, wondering how they're going to reach millennials authentically or why is it taking... um, Why is it taking so much effort with so little return? You know, how do we reach these people? I hope they're listening because, as I said, there's loads of insight. I also hope that traditional sports is listening because there's an area, I mean, even within BMW, and, you know, I think it's great what BMW are doing here. But, for instance, their golf team um, had some terrible feedback um, to me about their golf sponsorship, about how – Lacking in an actual experience that it was purely just branding. It was basically just BMW having their name there and the actual experience, which which it wasn't a bad experience. But unfortunately, everyone who was there at the, the, the event, they go to smaller events where they're spoiled a bit more. And so that becomes a new level of expectation. So I think that those those types of departments could learn so much from their esports colleagues. So hopefully. Those that are listening have formed a bit more of a respect for a very impressive growing industry that I can't wait to see what what happens. Um, I'd love to um, maybe hear what's going on this time next year because I can imagine look, the speed of change at the moment, speed of transformation is so fast, and I'd love to see where you are then. But, um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it.
1: It was my pleasure being here, and I hope like, for everyone listening you know, like uh, I was able to provide at least you know, some insight about esports, but uh, at the same time, it's a much more complex industry than it looks like. There are so many different, let's say, plays, let's say that different like small things moving the scene. And as I said, uh, there might be some trends next year, by this time next year, that we kind of don't know much about mm-hmm. right now, because as mm-hmm. I said, it's a very fast-paced industry so and i think you now the ones who end up adapting to new trends are the ones who end up like growing and surviving the thing. and you know right now one of big trend obviously you know is insightful customer service customer feedback as we have been talking about uh by this time next year we might see something different more stuff going on but uh for the time being yes like you know as i said it's a super fast growing industry like uh, three years ago was worth half a billion of dollars and now this number is three times bigger in just three years. And, you know, it's expected to become like even a more global industry over the last next 10, 15 years. So, you know, honestly, as someone who has been in the industry for years, I just can't wait to see how things are progressing. And I hope everyone else now, you know, if you're not familiar with sports until now, you start taking a look at it, start following it more. And you're going to have a blast as well.
0: Okay, I'm looking forward to uh, you know burrowing a little bit further down the rabbit hole in the next couple of weeks. My, it's funny we talk about it's not. Uh, this is gonna. This isn't just millennials either. I just want to want to labour that point. We spent a lot of time talking about millennials, but this is how you're gonna reach my kids. This is as they grow up this is the kind of sports that the, the if they're into sports these are the digital things especially if the traditional sports companies continue to be so sport-centric so egocentric you know like most of the woes of the major sporting organizations around the world would be over overnight if they just took the time to go out there and value their fans in the same way that clearly esports are valuing their fans. So yeah, brilliant. Congratulations. Give them a hard time. Give them a run for their money. Yeah, exactly. And we'll talk again in a year.
1: Oh yeah, it will be my pleasure to come back. If not I like
0: before, it. I hope. I hope we will talk <laughs> offline well really before, before <laughs> then. I'd love you <laughs> having you back on the show. My pleasure. Year. Yeah, no, yeah. was my one pleasure. Time.
1: And uh, yeah, it will be my pleasure. Another keep like bringing more insights about esports, but. Really hope to come back soon and now, like, keep new updates about how everything has been evolving. It will be my pleasure. Thank you very
0: much. Yeah, anytime. You take it easy. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye-bye. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you for listening today. I hope you got some really solid value out of the conversation. If you did get some value, please consider subscribing using any of the links below. We are on all major podcast platforms. And feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or via our website, halftimeorange.co.nz. Look forward to speaking with you next time.